Welcome to the Grace Harbor Church Sermon Podcast. Grace Harbor Church is located in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information, visit our website at ghokc.com. Hey, this morning, um, I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be in in verses 22 through 41. Um, Again, if you don't have a Bible, that's totally okay. Um, That's why we have Bibles in the seats in front of you. Um, Please make use of one of those. I would highly encourage you, um, even if you haven't opened a Bible in years or ever in your whole life, um, follow along with us in God's Word this morning, Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 41. That's actually on page 910 of those books, of those uh, copies of the Bible in front of you. Page 910 is where we'll be reading this this morning. And I'm going to read this because it is uh, the most important part of what I'm about to say um, over these next 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, The most important thing that I have to say today is going to be actually read straight from here. Um, And so we're going to read that, not to get it out of the way, uh, but to make sure that it is our focus this morning Um, As we progress through this service, the kids are going to get more and more antsy, and I want to make sure that our focus, as much as it can be, is actually on what we have to read this morning. So we're just going to go ahead and read that. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 41 on page 910. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders And signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence." Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption." This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. 
Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them or teach them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. May God bless the reading of his word. Father, would you, would you do that? Would you help, um, would you help what, what, your, what your word has to say here um, to, to resonate within our hearts? Would you help us to understand it? Um, we, we admit um, and we acknowledge that, that many in this room uh, may feel far from you. Um, they, may, they, they may not feel your presence. They may not understand what, what the Bible has to say. Uh, but Lord, would you just help us to understand that you are a, a merciful um, and a gracious God, um, that in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our, our lack of understanding, uh, you, you invite us in. Um, you, you invite us into... Um, we don't, we don't so much invite you into our life, you invite us into your way of life. Um, and we praise you for that. And so Lord, help us understand this morning. Help, help our kids this morning to begin to understand uh, what your word says. Uh, because as this passage says, that, and as it communicates to us, uh, that, that following you, um, that believing the gospel, the resurrection, um, is, is the only proper response um, to, to what you have called us into. We pray these things in your name, amen. Hey, it's very good to see you, um, and, and we're, we're glad that you're here. We're, gonna, we're just gonna spend a few minutes talking about what's going on in this passage, but here's something that's very important for us to know and to understand um, about um, what's going on, that the resurrection did not only happen, which is a historical event that really happened that is a fact, uh, that if you would love to grab coffee sometime, I'd love to have this discussion with you. But it is, it is not only a mere moment in history, but that it also, this moment in history, also had a lasting and cataclysmic mark on the world and the people who were there to experience. And so a question for us to ask today is not only did the resurrection happen, but what were the effects of the resurrection in the world in which it happened. Um, namely, in this text, people repented. People acknowledged that they were sinners and they needed a savior. And what the resurrection said is, you have a savior. You have someone who can save you. And so the book of Acts in the Bible um, is not only a, a um, is, uh, the, the book of Acts is a, is a holy text in our scriptures, but it also just serves to recount the history of what happened after the resurrection, not only what happened after the resurrection, but what happened as a result of the resurrection. And so specifically, Acts 2, where we are today, tells us about the first major movement and the first, the, the immediate response of those who witnessed 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so in this one passage, you have a guy named Peter, which I'd love to tell you about Peter, but we don't have time to talk about Peter this morning, but because Peter's talking about Jesus, and so we're gonna talk about Jesus and not Peter, okay? We'll talk about Peter sometime. But, but in this one passage, you've got a guy named Peter retelling not only the resurrection, but, but retelling some 1,000 years of history that preceded the resurrection. He's starting way back, and he's saying, hey, the resurrection's not just something that happened last week, <laughs> like, not just happened that something that happened on a random day. He starts a 1,000 years before the resurrection happened, um, and, 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 he, and he highlights the fact that the resurrection was predicted and completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to establish for us. And so what I want us to hear and understand today is not only the fact of the resurrection, but the response that the resurrection should cause within the hearts of people. That's us. Whether you're a, whether you're a believer or a non-believer in here today, the resurrection demands from us a response. And so firstly, we see again that the one who is speaking in Acts 2, who is Peter, he didn't have a great track record. So if you think that faith and Christianity is all about the people who have themselves all cleaned up and, and, and have bettered themselves before they come to Jesus, Peter is a prime example that that is not the case. Because, because he went from denying that he even knew Jesus. Like, what a betrayal, right? Went from denying that he even was friends with Jesus or knew Jesus to being the man that Jesus used to change the world. That's what Jesus did in Peter's life. And, and here's the point of that. Peter witnessed something that changed him. Peter witnessed something that changed him. So I want us to spend all of our time in this one passage of scripture that I've read, and we're gonna dive right into it and highlight four big things. I want us to draw out four things that are very important that Peter teaches in this sermon and again, this was the day that the church was born. This is the day that changed the world. Because of what happened here on this day is the reason why we're here today. You see that? We're gonna, we're gonna see that today. Before we really dive in, I do wanna say this. For some in here, some of what you may hear today may be the first time you've ever heard something like this. Uh, for others, you've heard the facts of what will be said a million times. And I say that to say this, that it's okay to not have this all figured out. So if you're just like, ah, you know, there's some things missing, there's some things that I'm just not really sure, like kind of kind of gaps in my mind, that's okay. Because again, our salvation and our acceptance before Christ is not based on what we do or, or how we respond, but based on the work of Jesus who is pursuing your heart today and calls you to just follow him. It's that simple. And so let me just, let me just comfort you with that. Here's, the, here's four things. The first thing is this. The first thing that we can see because of the resurrection, and this is only true because the resurrection is true, the first thing that we see in Peter's message is this, that you can trust God. You can fully trust God. Like no holds barred, no caveats. You can trust in God. Where do I get that? I get that from what Peter said in verses 22 through 28. This is what he says. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up, what? According to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. 
you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. What Peter wants us to understand based out of the resurrection in this gospel message that you can put your trust in God. He's worthy of it. That if God can raise Jesus from the dead, that you can trust God no matter what you are going through on a variety of topics throughout the New Testament. On a variety of topics throughout the New Testament, the writers will not look at their current circumstances, nor will they form their own opinions about how to make sense of something, but they will go back to the very source of the truth of who God is because they know that in their darkest, most desperate moment, And I'm sure that many of you have felt that and maybe are in it now, but in the darkest moment of your life, God is worthy to be trusted. You can trust God. That even when things around me seem to be spiraling out of control, that I have a father in heaven who loves me and is in control. He is faithful to his word. And Peter's wanting us to really acknowledge that because Peter's saying, hey, this God that I'm saying that you can trust He said this would happen a thousand years ago. Man, there's a lot of weird people out there. Like, I could just stop that sentence there, right? Like, there's just a lot of weird people out there. There's a lot of people out there who who try to predict things and and tell you what's gonna happen. And man, even if they're just like 10% true, there's still a lot of information that they don't have. God perfectly predicted what would happen in the life, death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And guess what? It happened. And so that's a, the resurrection is a foundation for us to be able to trust God. Here's the second thing that we see from Peter. The second thing is this, and it's kind of a juxtaposition of the first point. Don't put your hope in man. I love what Peter does here in verse 29 through 31. Look what he does. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David, that he, was, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that it was him that was not to be abandoned to Hades, nor was it his flesh that would see corruption. And so what Peter's doing here is he's just saying, hey, listen, David is an important figure in the faith of the Jewish people. If you know anything about the Jewish people, David was their guy, you know, like, I don't know who your guy is, but for the Jews, David was their guy. And and Peter's pointing to David, not to disrespect David, but to help them understand what David believed. That David was not saying in Psalm 16, will you not, you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor will you allow my flesh to corruption. No, David, some thousand years before Jesus, was looking into the future because of the inspiration of God and the Spirit and said, there will come a Messiah. There will come a Jesus. And David and, and Peter's wanting to make sure that we all know, hey, David's in the grave and we can go visit his grave today. Hey, set out to try and find the grave of Jesus and you won't find it, is what Peter's saying. He's saying we can go visit him. And, and church and, and my friends here today, here's what we need to know. Don't put your trust in man. Put your trust in God because God's worthy. If Jesus is alive, you can trust what he has to say. 
And so what often happens in these moments of despair that I talked about earlier is that we turn to, to, to other things for direction rather than God. Sometimes it's to ourselves um, and to what we feel is right. Sometimes it's the words of others. And God can powerfully use wisdom in our lives, right? He calls us to seek wisdom, to pray for wisdom, and he'll give us wisdom. And so I'm, so I'm, I'm not saying that you just like never, ever, ever like use wisdom to, to weigh your options or weigh a decision. But what Peter is saying is don't put your trust in man. And by the way, that includes yourself. Includes, that includes yourself. You can trust God. Let's just get real for a second. I won't ask for a show of hands here, but regardless of whether or not you're a believer or a non-believer, we could all agree that man will let you down, won't he? And when I say man, I mean man or woman. I mean, whoever that may be in your life, humanity will let you down, won't it? We can agree on that because we've all probably experienced this. And Peter's saying, hey, listen, our hope isn't in man. Our hope is in God. And so I can tell you this morning, like I'll be the crazy one in the room to say it out loud. I will say with complete confidence is that there is one, capital O, there is one who will never let you down, ever, 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 ever. Like in the moments where you, you feel let down by God, let me tell you that those moments are real. We have, we have instances throughout the Psalms where people may feel let down by God and they cry out to God and say, God, where are you? They say, I feel let down. And guess what? God does not abandon us in those moments. So you may feel abandoned. You may feel let down. But I can tell you with confidence because of what the scriptures tell us, because of my experience, uh, because of the experience of humankind, that God will never let you down. The third thing is this. um, And it's what, what we really focus in on today. The third thing is simply this that we see from Peter's message here. Christ is alive. So if Jesus is alive, then, then everything that, that I have said that is in accordance with the scriptures and the things that scriptures say is absolutely 100% true. That you can trust God, that you should not put your trust in man, that if Jesus is alive, there's, there, there, there can be, but there should be no doubt in our minds that we can do those two things if Christ really is alive. We can put our trust in God and not in man because Christ arose from the grave. Hey, this is, this is the huge point. This is the most, this, the, the, the most significant, single greatest reality in all of human history is this, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose from the grave, and he is alive today. I mean, there's, there's, there's no greater fact. There's no more true fact than that. Like you wanna you, you want pursue truth, the highest truth that you can experience is the experience of the resurrection. And so if this is true, then anything that Christ says, we can trust. And, and here's the deal, y'all. If, if one of you wanna die real quick and just come back to life, I'll say the same thing about you, okay? I'll say follow that person, but that won't happen. It can't and it won't, but it did with Jesus of Nazareth. And so it was this moment that changed the world and it flipped everything upside down. Actually, I think what it did is it flipped, flipped everything right side up, right? It didn't flip everything upside down. It flipped things back to where they should be, which is what we're moving towards as Jesus is redeeming the earth and the world and humanity and saving people from their sins. He is, we are, 
walking towards a right side up kind of reality. What we live in right now is the upside down. Seen the shows? Uh, We live in the upside down. Jesus turned everything right side up. So crucial is this fact that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I love this. Paul's just being real. You all love real, right? Like just, hey, give me real. All right, Paul's real right here in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 19. This is what Jesus, this is what Paul says there. If Christ has not raised, from, uh, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. So right now, if Christ is not alive, you can just get up and leave the room with a child. Jordan's out. Just kidding. If Christ has not been raised, we shouldn't be here. Go home, go fishing. It's a little chilly and cloudy, but go fishing, go NBA playoffs are on, go do whatever you need to do. But this is what Paul says. If Christ has not been raised and our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. My friends, if Jesus hasn't been raised, you are still in your sins. And my friends, I need to tell you this. I have to tell you this, that if you have not placed your faith in the resurrected Savior, you are still in your sins and you will die separated from God. I promise you, you'll die someday. I think the rate's about 100%. We'll all die and we will all stand before God. And if you die still in your sins, then you will not see God as redeemer, you will see him as judge. And I hate, I, I don't hate to tell you that reality. It's a, it's a hard reality because there are those who will die without faith in the resurrection of Jesus, faith in, in Christ. And so that leads us to this fourth and final thing that we see in Acts chapter two. So we've seen, put your trust in God. Don't put your hope in man. Christ is alive. And then here's the amazing thing that we see in this. The fourth thing is this. Respond to Christ in faith. Respond in faith. That's, look, look what happens here. Peter like goes to the great lengths to, to recount all this history, to say, share everything that has happened that God predicted. And then look what happens in verse 37. It turns to the crowd. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what happened. These people heard this message and it was so powerful and so magnificent and the spirit had so gripped their hearts that the only thing they knew what to do was say, all right, what do I need to do to receive it? (laughs) What do I need to do to receive it? And Peter it said, Peter says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And so we know from the, the whole of scripture that these are not works that we do in order to be saved. That repenting 
is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so if the Spirit this morning is prompting you in some way, convicting you of your sin, then Christ has done the work in you necessary for salvation. And so if all this is true, then the only option that we have then is to respond. And I'm not saying the only option you have is to say yes, because you definitely have the option to say no. You definitely have the option to say, I don't want that. You've got that choice. But Peter preaches this and this group of unbelievers responds in this way. They wanna say yes to the resurrection. They wanna say yes to, to Jesus. Let me tell you again, I'm gonna say this again and then I, I think we're gonna move on from this idea. But one day you will stand before God. Every single person. Like look at the person next to you. You don't have to say anything because we wouldn't wanna give you anxiety. Look, look to the person next to you. That person that you looked at and the person looking back at you um, and the person that the person next to you is looking at, which is you, everyone in this room will one day stand before God. You will stand before God. And in that moment, you will not, because you're here today, by the way, you're not here today by accident. You're not here by accident. God brought you here. But when you stand before God in that moment, you will not be able to stand before him in ignorance saying that I never heard. You have, if you've never heard before today, you've heard today. The truth of the resurrection and the truth of our sinfulness and the truth of a great redeemer. And so you have heard what the scriptures have claimed about the risen Christ. And as you sit today, you have a choice about how you will respond. Will you respond in unbelief? Will you respond in indifference towards the message or will you respond in faith to the message? To respond in any of these ways is to respond, but the nature and the implications of this gospel message that a man who lived in Nazareth, history, by the way, that's not just an idea, but a man that you can trace and look to historical records to see dwelled and lived in Nazareth and changed the world, he died. He was buried the scriptures give a burial record. We even know whose tomb it was he was buried in. We know whose tomb it was. So we have, like, we've, we've kind of got some, 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 some ideas about where this might have been. He was buried. He laid in that grave for three days dead. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And so here's the good news. Here's the good news about this, this message and the response that you have today to respond in faith or in unbelief. Maybe you're here today and you think there's no way that Christ could receive me as his child. There's no way that, that, that I could be a child of God. I'm too far gone. I have too many questions. I've got too much of a past and unbelief still dwells in my heart in some places. Know this again, that your salvation rests not in what you've got figured out or in how well you clean yourself up, but in the work that Christ has done and only there, only there. That's the gospel, that you have done nothing to earn salvation or favor from God, that Jesus has done it all. He paid everything. And so I'm gonna trust the work of the Holy Spirit today because I've experienced personally the work of the Holy Spirit and I'm, and, and I'm gonna believe that if you are sensing a drawing of the spirit of God, that you'll respond to him in faith. We're not gonna do anything emotional here. Like we're not trying to manipulate anything. Like this is the message. This is, these are the, the facts of what the scriptures say. And the decision is on you to respond in faith to him. 
And know this, John chapter six, verse 37. And then we're gonna play a video as soon as I finish reading this. Here's what John six, verse 37 says. Let this comfort you. Let it give you hope. Jesus himself says this. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That if you come to the Father, you have no danger of being cast out of his his love and his care and his salvation. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to believe all the right things. You must only trust in the resurrected Savior. Watch this very short video. Without the preaching of the cross, without preaching the cross to ourselves all day and every day, we will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and, and, and you were getting entry into heaven, what would you say? If you answer that, and if I answer it in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. Because I, because I believed, because I have faith, because I am this, because I am continuing. Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I can't can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you 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 were cussing the guy out with your friend. You've never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You, ne- you didn't know a thing about church membership. And, and, yet, and yet, you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because like, I don't know. Well, you know, we're, uh, uh, did Excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are, you, are, you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, The man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross... I can then give only lip service to its efficacy while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair 
and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God that just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you in this sense. That we know that we're not saved by good works. We're not saved as a result of our professions. But we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for for the truth and the beauty of the gospel that a sinless Savior died, and because of that, my sinful soul can be counted free. And so, Father, I just pray this morning that you would draw people to yourself, um, that it would be your work, uh, that it would be your compelling, um, and not mine, um, and not any, any outside um, pressure, but Lord, that you would just do the work in our hearts to, to give us faith. We don't have to pray a special prayer or repeat, repeat something, Lord. It's just a simple act of faith in what we believe and what we preach, and that is the, the truth that Christ died, was buried, rose again, and lives today. And so may we respond, and may we respond this morning, all of us, believing that again. If, if, if there are those in here who already have believed, would you just help us to believe it again, believe it more deeply? And if there are those who have never trusted, Lord, may they experience in a very real and powerful way the welcoming of a Savior. Who though, who though many times in the church we've put up so many hurdles and barriers, Lord, there are no hurdles and barriers to walking into friendship with you. And so would you just help us to simply believe that this morning um, and respond in faith to that. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.